here to sugarcoat I'm sorry about you Too much shelter causes pain Let's just be real honest Things are gonna knock you down Avoidance will not help you out Let's talk it through you, me and you Let's keep it real honest Hi friends, welcome to season two, episode two of the Real Honest Podcast. I am your host, Samantha, and I want to help more people feel seen, heard, and known, which I believe is done through honest conversation and active listening. So today's episode is titled, Seeing Isn't Believing, Believing is Seeing. Take a desk. You know it's a desk, I know it's a desk, but seeing the desk isn't what makes us believe it's a desk. It's the fact that we believe that a desk is a hard surface that holds electronics and writing instruments and is a workspace that makes us see a desk when we look at one. I actually got this phrase from one of the Santa Claus movies because I recently rewatched those over the holidays. Um, And I think it's also, I don't know if the specific phrase is there, but the concept is also an elf. Um, where a lot of the Santa movies, you know, the idea is that children can see Santa and reindeer and magic and adults can't. And it's like, you know, the whole concept of as you get older, you stop believing and then you can't see magic anymore. And watching all the movies this holiday season, it occurred to me that aging really isn't the problem. I think when I was a little girl and I would watch the Santa Clauses, I was so scared of like becoming an adult. I was like, I don't ever want to get old because I love believing in Santa and the tooth fairy and just like magic and wonder. Like I love that that's part of my life and I don't want to ever grow out of it. But now I don't think that aging is the problem. It's the lack of believing because believing is often a choice And that's usually where faith comes in. So you can look at a sunset and you can attribute it to God and you can say, wow, what a beautiful painting. Or you can attribute it to science and you can say like, those are pretty colors in the sky that a random combination of sunlight and clouds is creating right now. And I'm not saying that either of those things is necessarily better than the other. Like if science is the thing that you believe in, I think that's totally fine. Um, I think that needing everything to be logical and proven and to mathematically make sense is usually where science falls short when the unexplainable happens. And for me, that's why it's comforting to have a higher power in times where I can't explain what's going on, where it doesn't make logical sense because believing in God is what helps me keep that hope and that magic alive And I personally just love hope and magic and wonder and believing that miracles happen because that's just having that belief is fun and makes life more fulfilling to me. I think a common theme in the journey of life is the death and loss of dreams. And I think it's because so many of us don't know how to pursue them. We're not given the tools to pursue them. And that's how we become like the adults and all of the movies about Santa that don't believe and that can't hear the bell. And this is actually why Wish, one of Disney's newest animated musicals, is one of my favorites that I've ever seen. The whole movie is about having dreams as a young person and then 
getting older and getting jaded and giving up and not pursuing them anymore. And really the whole purpose of the movie is telling you that you have to spend your entire life pursuing your dreams. And even if you never get that, it's not about getting there. It's not about realizing the dream because at, in your pursuit of it, the dream is going to grow and change and you are going to grow and change, but your life is going to be so much more fulfilling if you are constantly pursuing it. So last week I talked about setting goals and a lot of you reached out and said you were overwhelmed listening to that episode. And so the first, I want to put you at ease and let you know, I was overwhelmed setting my goals. I was overwhelmed recording the episode about it. Um, I think that it's completely normal to be overwhelmed. And actually the, um, the pages of my goal setting planner journal thing that I'm using this year, I only went through maybe a third of it, potentially a quarter of it last week. And I had spent a week filling it out before I spent 30 minutes recording that episode and I kind of rushed through it and was trying to condense it into a 45 minute podcast. So, and I did spend another week getting through the other half of it of just the, the planning stage before I can actually like jump in and start working on the goals. So I want to do a quick goals check-in with you guys, but also give you some, ideas and advice that I hope is helpful. Um, the first thing is don't set too many goals. I don't know if I read this page of the planner that I'm using, but, um, the woman who created it even says like on the very first page that the first thing that you should do is only choose three main goals to focus on this year, because you have to, account for there's so much that's going to happen in your life this year that you don't know about right now and you can't plan for and you're setting yourself up to fail by setting too many goals personally the three main goals that i've chosen to focus on this year is to pay off my remaining credit card debt to complete the first draft of my novel which those of you who know that I already wrote a novel, um, I do have a completed novel that I want to edit. I have decided that that is book two in a series. I want to start the series earlier. So I'm writing the first draft of book one, and I want to have that completed by the end of this year. And then my third goal is that I want to receive a B minus or higher in all of my seminary courses this year. Even though I have chosen these three things as my three main goals, that does not mean that I'm not going to work on anything else this year. It more, it helps me to prioritize. So for example, I also want to 30 days of yoga and I want to be studying the Bible and praying and journaling, but like As I've talked about many times on this podcast, there are too many things that I want to do and not enough time in a day. So it helps me to sit down and prioritize it where if I'm sitting and I'm trying to figure out what to do with my time, I can ask myself like, okay, is this helping or hurting one of my three main goals? So for example, if I'm trying to decide like, Am I going to do yoga today or am I going to write my book? Well, yoga is not one of my three main goals. Um, That's one of my lesser goals. 
writing my novel is one of my three main goals. So that helps me prioritize. Like I need to spend at least, and I set different goals for different days. So like some days I will tell myself I have to write one sentence. Other days I'll say I have to write for an hour. I have to write for five minutes, whatever it is that I set. I'm like, I have to do that before I can do yoga today. Um, And so that's kind of, the trick that I have found in not setting too many goals, like choose a few that you really want to focus on. Um, And then the other thing is to give yourself room to adapt. I say adapt. I was listening to Jay Shetty's podcast last week um, on purpose and I absolutely love him. I think he's brilliant and I love all the advice that he shares. Um, and he was talking about goal setting last week too. And he talked about how when you're setting goals, you have to confront and acknowledge the fact that you are going to fail, which I agree with him. I think he's correct. I just don't like the language because to me, fail is a negative word. And if you tell me to set a goal and know that I'm going to fail it, that doesn't encourage me to set the goal. Um, So that's why I'm saying give yourself room to adapt and grow. So for example, with my goal of writing my novel, my overarching goal for the year is to complete the first draft of book one and to complete an edit of book two. So in order to give myself room to change and grow, I am prioritizing the draft of book one over the editing of book two. So it's like, ideally, by December 31st, I have both things done. But if things get in the way and I can't work on both things, at least I'm working on the writing of book one. And then um, I had mentioned to you guys last week that I have two friends that have agreed to um, receive a chapter from me every month. So I've set the goal of writing one chapter every month now that system only works for me to complete the book if the book is only 12 chapters. I don't know how many chapters the book is. I don't have an outline and I can do a whole different episode on my process and how I write, Um, but I don't write with an outline, so I don't know how many chapters it's going to be. So that's another thing though, that I don't know if that system is going to work for me to complete the book, but I do know that writing one chapter a month is realistic for me. Um, Really and truly, based on how quickly I type, I know for a fact that if I write for 30 minutes a day, I can complete 100,000 words in like a month and a half. That would actually be writing the novel really fast. Um, However, I do not write for 30 minutes a day. And when I do write, I don't spend all of my time just writing. So if there are any writers out there, there are all of these different like writing sprints that can help you. But just keep in mind that typically if you're doing a sprint to a prompt, That's not necessarily how your brain is going to work when you're writing your novel because you're not necessarily working off a prompt and you might be reworking a sentence or a paragraph over and over. So for example, like if I am just typing words for 30 minutes, I can do it very quickly and I can do it much more quickly than if I'm actually thinking about the words that I'm writing. Like I can journal and just write whatever comes to my mind. 
but if I'm writing a novel, like I have, I'm writing something specific, like it has to make sense to my character and to my story. So that's why I don't have like a specific word count goal either, because just for my personal writing style, it works better for me to be disciplined of like completing a chapter because I know that each chapter, it's kind of like an episode of a TV series. Like it's in itself, it's complete. It's something that I can hand that to someone and the chapter is a story. And if they want to keep reading, then they'll be encouraged to reach out to me and make sure that I keep writing and sending them more. Um, But either way, this is me breaking down the goal even further so that if in the end my book is going to be 30 or 40 chapters and I only have 12 done at the end of this year, then okay, I didn't complete my goal of finishing the novel, but I did complete the first 12 chapters, which is a whole lot closer to finishing the novel than not. So honestly, it's the same kind of thing where it's kind of like, I I don't want to say I'm planning to fail because there is also a world in which I write five chapters in a single month. And I tell my friends that month, I'm like, hey, I got five done. So I'm sending you five instead of one. And I keep that momentum up and I keep doing that. And then I do actually finish the book by the end of the year. So I don't want to say that I'm planning to fail, but I am definitely leaving room for it. I'm trying to leave room for seasons where I'm writing a lot and seasons where I'm not writing at all. Like sometimes I'm going to just be exhausted and uninspired. So for those of you who were overwhelmed with last week's episode, um, first of all, I'm sorry But I hope that you go back and just take a little more time, scale it down, just choose two or three goals that you want to really focus on to begin with and break those down into little baby bite-sized pieces. And then if you feel like there's more you want to achieve, then great. Add those things to your list and go from there. Um, The reason I think goal setting is so important really is from reading Shonda Rhimes's Year of Yes book. The year that that came out, I read it and she talks about dreamers versus doers in there. And she, um, she very plainly says, you can't want to be something. You either are it or you're not. And her example was, you don't want to be a writer. You either are a writer or you're not. Writers write. You don't have to be a working writer to write. You don't have to write for a living to write, but you do have to write to be a writer. So are you writing every day or are you sitting and thinking about writing and dreaming about being a published author, but not actually working on books? And it's so simple, but it really unlocked so much for me. That book was published in 2015, which is the year that I finished undergrad. And at the time that I read the book, I was very depressed and angry because I had just gotten this film degree that I wasn't doing anything with. And I was miserable and poor and lonely. And I was just like, why is my life so sad? (laughs) But reading that book really did open my eyes to the fact that like, I was spending all my time dreaming about 
the future that I wanted to have and I wasn't actually doing anything to build that future. Um, and this past weekend at Elevation Church, Pastor Stephen even mentioned that we shouldn't be so focused on the future that we're not taking the steps today to get there. You know, like if, and it's, it's different because little kids are like, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a princess. I'm going to be a firefighter. And like, when you're a kid, people are like, oh, that's cute. Like no one's expecting you to actually make it happen. And no one's expecting you to have a plan to make it happen. But then as you get older, it's like, well, now you have to have a plan and you have to actually be taking action and like explain to people how you're going to do the thing, or at least explain it to yourself. And I think there is something to be said for like, there are a lot of people that are just out here talking about what they're going to do one day and not actually doing the work. And that's why they're not getting there. So, you know, I have read a bunch of terrible books and every time I read a horrible book, I get angry because I'm like, how is it that this author could put out this trash and it can be bound and put in bookstores for people to buy and read, but I can't. And it's like, well, maybe that person is a terrible writer, but they have follow through. They have discipline and they wrote and completed and published a book. And maybe I'm a great writer, but nobody will ever know if I don't actually put words on paper and pursue publishing and try to get it out there into the world. So whatever the thing is that sets your soul on fire, um, the lyric from Disney's wish, um, that Julia Michaels wrote, it's not one of the songs in the movie. It's the end credit song. It's called a wish worth making. And she says, um, any wish that has your heart close to breaking is a wish worth making. Like that's the thing that like you dream about it all the time. You cannot put it down. You cannot stop thinking about it. You're just like, I want this. I want this. I want this. I feel like that's where you should start with your goal setting. Cause I know I've talked a lot about like, I want to play guitar. I want to play piano. I want to sing. Like I want to do all of these things. And anytime I have a free Saturday, I am like, Oh no, oh no panicking. Like, what do I do with my time? Um, and so just watching that movie and I, I've been listening to nothing but the wish soundtrack since I saw that movie on the cruise a month ago. (laughs) So I am obsessed. Um, but it's just putting, also it's just re-putting the message of the movie into my head over and over again about like, don't give up on your dreams. And like, I wrote the very first draft of this book when I was 10. So like this story has been with me for literally 20 years and I haven't let go of it yet. So I think that's a pretty clear sign that this is something that I need to follow through on. Whereas like playing guitar is something that I don't think about a lot. My guitars are hanging on my wall. (laughs) So I look at them every day And most days I don't, my thoughts do not go past seeing them on the wall. Like some days I'm like, "Mm, I want to take that down and play it. But most days I just walk right past them. Whereas every time I think about my novel, I am making notes. I have like in my notes app on my phone, I have a bunch of notebooks all over my house where anytime I have an idea for this book, I'm like jotting it down and like actively wanting to work on it. So I think that's also my next tip to if you're overwhelmed with your goal setting and you don't know where to start, like just sit and write down, like, what do you want 
your future to look like? What do you want to accomplish in life? And like, think about the things that are like popping up to the top repeatedly. Moving into what is God teaching me right now? I feel like God is teaching me the importance of reflection. Um, One of the things that I have been praying about is to get excited about the Bible because really and truly it bores me and I'm never excited about reading the Bible. I don't think it's fun. Um, there's a whole bunch of people in the Christian community. They're obsessed with the chosen and I've tried to watch it so many times and it is so boring (laughs) and I'm just sitting there like, is it the quality of the show? Is it the way that it's written? Is it the actors? Like, is that act, is it actually bad or is it just that the subject matter doesn't interest me? Um, which is unfortunate, but I don't think that that's not, I think it's more likely that it's just the way that the show is put together that I don't like because there is a way, I believe, to make any subject matter interesting. And for example, the Journey to Bethlehem musical starring Milo Mannheim is amazing. Like, I watched that twice. It was great. I was like, oh, this is the Mary and Joseph story that I've needed my entire life loved it but I just can't get into the chosen so it also just has to do with like the the genre and the way that it's put together and delivered to me but I have been praying for God to make the Bible interesting and give me a like an actual desire to read it because for so much of my life reading the Bible has just been a chore that Christians are supposed to do So I feel like all through elementary school and high school and even in college, like any time that I read the Bible, it was it was because I thought that God was going to reward me for reading the Bible. I was like, oh, if I I'm sad because I haven't read the Bible. So let me make sure that I read the Bible every day so that God will pat me on the head for being a good Christian and give me a husband. And like, that's just not how life works. The importance of reflection, this is why I think it's really important to keep a prayer journal is to see like what you have prayed for and also keep like a Bible reading journal, like write down what you're learning and what you hear God speaking to you in your study. But the more important piece is that you go back and return to it. Because if you just write it down and you never go back, then you're kind of defeating the purpose. But if you go back and you look at it, then you can see... um where your where your mind was at the time the the previous time that you read it and then you can see like new information that you're gleaning so right now i'm doing a chronological bible in a year plan and something i thought was interesting was that multiple different translations note that adam and eve were naked but felt no shame before they ate the fruit from the tree and then after they ate the fruit they felt shame and knew that they were naked and covered themselves. And what I journaled when I read this the other day was why is shame the word that is used? Like I find it interesting that the Bible would say they were naked, but felt no shame as opposed to just they were naked, but didn't know because shame should be something that you have to be taught, right? Like we were all taught to be ashamed of our bodies, by the media for the last 20, well, I mean, maybe the first 20 years and then in the last five-ish years, the media is trying to correct that and teach people to love their bodies. 
but I would think that God wouldn't want people to be ashamed of their bodies. Covering up due to shame is a different thing than covering up due to modesty or drawing someone's attention or safety of just like having all the holes covered so that dust doesn't get in them, you know? And I'm like, I find that interesting. And so I, I'm wondering, like, is is that text implying that nudity is inherently shameful? Because if so, I would like to know why, like I find that interesting, or is that not even the right avenue? And is it more just saying shame is just an example of something that they didn't have prior to eating the fruit? And then after they ate the fruit, they had shame. Reading the line about covering up after eating the fruit and gaining the knowledge that they were naked that more makes it seem like they felt shame because they did something they weren't supposed to do but like so that's another thing like prior to eating the fruit did they not feel shame because there was nothing to be ashamed of because they hadn't done anything wrong and it had nothing to do with being naked. But then if so, why does it mention that they were naked? Like why is the sentence they were naked and felt no shame? Um, Which I don't know the answer to this, but the fact is just that it's interesting to me, like that I have these questions and I wonder, and like that's something that I can talk to God about where I'm like, I, I find this a really interesting juxtaposition of words like I think this is an interesting sentence I kind of want to dig into this and that's an answered prayer for me is just something in the bible that I've read a million times and was bored and didn't care that I now found interesting God is also reinforcing like my word of the year being released like I feel like that's come up multiple times already in the first eight days of this year both at work and in my personal life of just needing to let go um, and you know, let go and let God, as my mom always says, but me needing to release both like responding to people immediately, um, release control. Like I know I talked on here of so much last year about just feeling like everyone at work is an idiot. And I'm just like, why do people need me all the time? Like I have to make everything happen and it drives me insane. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't have to make everything happen. And yes, I have to remind my boss about 90% of his own job. And I'm amazed, like, how was it getting done before I was here? But at the same time, it's like, if he tells me he's going to do something and it doesn't get done that day, and then the next day I have to remind him for it to get done, like, that's not on me, you know? That's on him. And I'm going to just release the responsibility to the person that actually holds it because it's not mine. Along with reading old journals and reflecting, um, I also found from last April, I had, I was praying and I had written like, do you want me to finish my seminary application? And I wrote that in the height of, for those who know the whole (laughs) drama of me trying to get into seminary. Um, but that was when like my application wasn't finished because I didn't get enough enough people um, to write recommendations, like had all these people agree to write recommendations, but then they didn't follow through and actually do it. And I was exhausted by following up with them and asking them to do it. So I was going to be like, you know what? Screw it. I don't care. Like, I just won't apply. Um, And I was wondering if I should or not. So I thought that was interesting. So I wrote an updated note in there the other day to just say like, well, I start classes in two weeks. So I hope that was a yes. (laughs) Um, 
And then the other thing that I want to share with you guys today is um, a story time about a friend of mine um, that's on this same thread because I was going through my prayer journal from last year. And I think it was also last April that I had a friend who was really struggling with like what was next for her um, because she uh, is from Germany and she loves America more than any American that I've ever met. And she was finishing up her degree and was really stressed out about not being able to find a job that would sponsor her. And I had written in my prayer journal, like I was asking God, like, just please, please show up for her. Like, please move in her life in a really big way. Please get her, either get her a job that will sponsor her so she can stay in the US or give her something in Germany or wherever in the world, but something that she can be excited about so that she doesn't feel like, all this time that she spent getting this degree and living in America and trying to move, like give her something so that that doesn't feel like it was for nothing. Like at least help her to see something new and something different. Um, And I texted her and was like, oh my gosh, I am reading about like last April when we were praying about like your job and finishing school and everything because she very recently got a job um, and has moved to Chicago. And it's just really cool that she and I met a few years ago because she joined my the small group that I lead. Um, and so first, like we only knew each other through small group. And then we started talking like outside of small group and just became like best friends. And then she went to school a couple hours from Ballantyne, which is where Elevation's main campus is. And I went there for some leader event and I got baptized at it and she drove in to be there for my baptism. And that was really cool. Um, and then she came to visit me and just like, you know, we'd, we'd only been, I think we were friends for probably a year and a half before we ever met in person. And the first time that we met in person was her driving two hours to come be there for my baptism, which was really cool. And then I don't think we saw each other in person again until six months later when she was able to come visit me. And so a lot of time passes between our interactions, but it's still, it felt like two years of us like wishing for the same thing of just like she wanted to be in America, like she wanted a job, she wanted to have her degree and be using it and like working in her field. And like, it would just was so cool to like, have documented the process of like, all of the different anxiety and struggles that she was going through and just seeing her on the other side now is just really, really, really cool. Um, so I highly encourage everyone to, if you don't seriously start journaling, you can video journal, you can record voice notes. Um, but just have some way of tracking what you were thinking and feeling so that you can look back on it later so that you have a physical manifestation of your growth. Um, and even it can even be, um, I know people love that I do this. It's so cringe, but I, I love reading my Facebook statuses from high school (laughs) and responding to myself. Um, because on the one hand, I have so much grace for high school and college me. And I just like, I wish that I could time travel and I could just go give her a hug. Um, 
And other times it's like, okay, get it together. <laughs> like you're so dramatic. Please chill. It's not the end of the world. But I will find things in my journal that I wrote last year that now I am like, you're so dramatic. <laughs> like, please chill. It is not the end of the world. You know, so it's just, it's funny, like things that were the end of the world when I was 16 versus things that are the end of the world when I'm 30, they're vastly different, but there still are so many end of the world moments. And like at the end of the day, we're still alive and we're still here. My movie recommendation this week is The Book of Clarence. And I'm going to read you guys the synopsis from the website um, just to make sure because my like summary would not do it justice and I don't want to give things away. So it says from visionary filmmaker James Samuel, which quick aside James Samuel is the filmmaker who he did The Harder They Fall on Netflix. It's got um, Regina King and Idris Elba, and it's a great movie. And I almost wasn't going to see it because it's a Western and I hate Westerns. Um, but I worked at Cinema Blend when that movie came out and I had to interview James Samuel to promote the movie. And so I had to watch it for the interview and I loved it. Like it just blew me away. I think that this man is a genius. Um, and when I talked to him confirmed like, yes, he is. He's a creative genius and he's such a great guy and he is so kind. And I will always promote his movies from here on out. Um, So, okay, back to the synopsis. The Book of Clarence is a bold new take on the timeless Hollywood-era biblical epic. Streetwise but struggling, Clarence, played by Lakeith Stanfield, is trying to find a better life for himself and his family, make himself worthy to the woman he loves, and prove that he's not a nobody. Captivated by the power and glory of the rising Messiah and his apostles, he risks everything to carve his own path to a divine life, a journey through which he finds redemption and faith, power, and knowledge. This... You guys, this movie, it's, first of all, if you're not familiar with James Samuel's work, it'll be a bit of an adjustment. Like there are a lot of what the fuck moments, um, which are intentional, like just go with it. Um, but he just, he's just a true visionary and he's also a musician. So like he does all of the like the score and the soundtrack, like he worked on all of that too. So everything in the movie is seamless just from like the set design. It's like he writes the story, he directs it. Um, Like he's, he's got his hand in everything, but it's done really, really well, like just excellent caliber. And so this is inspired by the Bible. It's not supposed to be an actual story from the Bible. Um, A little more info that I can give you from the synopsis is that the main character, Clarence, his twin brother is one of Jesus's 12 disciples. And so the story kind of takes you through what at the time a non-believer who's outside of Jesus's circle, how a non-believer would view that and what they would think. Um, and how they would go about trying to get the same notoriety. Um, and it really is just, it's fascinating. It blew my mind and I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I hope you all have a brilliant rest of your week. 
crush those goals, please keep reaching out to me. You can text me, Instagram message me, Facebook message me, or email me at realhonestpod at gmail.com. But let me know, seriously, I really want to know, like, let me know what are your goals for the year. And if you have a super big long list, because a few people have sent me like 10, 20 goals, um, which is fine. You can send me the whole list, but I mean like narrow it, like, let me know, like, what are the, the big one, two, or three that you're focusing on for the year and how can I be of assistance to you as you work toward those? Okay, bye. I'm not here to sugarcoat, I'm sorry about you. Too much shelter causes pain, let's just be real honest. Things are gonna knock you down, avoidance will not help you out. Let's talk it through, you me and you, let's keep it real honest.